live to see it, Chris, and welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us, and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Wednesday. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm great. Doing good. We're having a fun week, and we've got a fun show tonight. It's Amazing Wednesday, so we're working the word amazing there into the title someplace. It's all about happy accidents and amazing consequences, sometimes unintended, unsought for, unlooked for things that happen. And actually, you know, this is a compilation of relatively old news stories, one that showed up in my newsfeed on Facebook, and I got to reading it, and I got thinking about it, and I thought, well, you know what? This is just interesting in light of some other things that have taken place since this broke. Our first story is actually, cure for cancer might accidentally have been found, and it could be malaria. If it sounds familiar, we talked about it two years ago when it broke, but we're going we're gonna to look at it from a slightly different angle this evening, and we're going to relate it to some other discoveries, and then We've got just an oldie but goodie story from Popular Mechanic relating one of the greatest lineups ever of accidental fun discoveries and inventions, things that people didn't set out to make an invention, but they invented it anyway. We're, we're, we're leading up to the question, and I'll, I'll ask it here at the beginning, and we'll come back to it at the end of the show. Is randomness a genius, right? Is randomness the greatest genius of all? Sometimes I wonder. I wonder if, if unplanned serendipitous circumstance might be sometimes the best thing we got going for us. What do you think? I think it's definitely a a element in in genius. And uh, I, you know, and, and if I answer it now, I'm basically giving away the uh, the end of the program. So maybe we just need to get into uh, okay uh, we, this. And, and we uh, won't we won't spoil the end. Absolutely. All right. So, cure for cancer might accidentally have been found, and it could be malaria. So we did talk about this. A couple years ago when it broke, by attaching malaria proteins to cancer cells, tumors could be burrowed into and then destroyed, and it seems to be effective on 90% of types of cancer. This is a really interesting story that broke around research that was done, actually, I believe, to help pregnant women with malaria. They weren't looking for a cure for cancer. They were looking for ways to treat pregnant women with malaria. It's a very hard disease to have anyway, but it's extremely grueling for those who were expecting. And as they were looking at this, they realized there's some interesting, potentially useful properties of these malaria proteins, these proteins that are are carried within the, within the malaria virus, things that make it. What they learned was that, I guess, if I understand correctly, is that the malaria virus was boring into the placenta, which is why right. That's right. Why it's, it's and and that that very fact that it could bore it could do that. Uh, you could you could make it. Uh, you could direct it toward fast growing things like right. That's right. Like the placenta, or for example. Tumor. Yeah. Or a tumor. Um, and if something's fast growing like that, the malaria will zero, zero in on it. And uh, if it's if the malaria virus has a, a payload of 
you know, toxic to cancer drugs, uh, then, you know, when it burrows into the cancer, it kills it. Um, that's, that's an amazing idea. And who would have thought the potential cure for cancer could come from malaria research? Right. You don't think of malaria helping anyone out ever. And yet here it is, potentially yeah. a really effective, potentially a really effective cancer treatment. With just a few well, tweaks. It's time for right. malaria to start carrying weight, by God. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Mal- malaria owes us, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, and, yes, a and, huge debt. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, the, the, sooner, the sooner it starts paying it back, the better. So it just, it's, a great, it's a great story, wonderful story from a couple of years ago. Great example of uh, how proteins have suddenly become kind of important in treatment. You didn't used to hear too much about proteins as a standalone thing we would always hear about a bacteria or a virus or some other active agent but now we understand that just on their own just because of the chemical properties they have the the physical and chemical properties they have proteins are these very very powerful little bodies and they can do quite a bit on their own so you, you take a little bit of protein that the malaria vaccine uses for that uh, for that burrowing action you mix it with the right toxin that's bad for cancer, and boom, you got a, you got a new delivery mechanism. We were talking just a couple weeks ago about a protein that has been shown to be effective in anti-aging. So it's it's interesting that we're kind of we're entering among yeah. other things the age of the protein, right? The, 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 There's the the name for that study. I it was completely new to me. I you know genetics. Well, this is protein omics, I believe. Mm. Oh, there you go. Correctly, and uh, and. That's, you know, it's like a relatively new branch of science. Uh, and, uh, yeah, well, at least at, at, this, at this level, right? And, yeah, uh, but it's going to be huge because, you know what, there's yeah. a lot of potential proteins out there that can do a lot of potentially good, good things. And as, we'll, right. as you noted, as we'll see at the end of the show, there's, there's some very promising developments along those lines. The next story, can a diabetes drug cure aging. Obviously, this is one from last year, and we've talked about metformin uh, several times over the last year and a half or so, two years now, almost since, since this story first broke, but it's worth revisiting. Here, we're not talking about a disease being used to cure a disease. We're just talking about a drug that was fairly effective anyway and has been around for a long time, suddenly having benefits that no one would have ever expected that it, that it would have had. In the case of metformin, it turned out that as they as they looked at mortality rates for folks who had diabetes who took metformin versus those who didn't, they said, "Oh, these folks are doing a lot better than the people who didn't take the drug." And it, and it turned out they weren't just doing better where diabetes was concerned; they were doing better where almost everything is concerned, right? That, right, right. I mean, they were <laughs> they were doing better than people without diabetes. That's, I mean, yes, that, I think that's, that's the key. That's pretty yeah. amazing. That, that really puts it in context. They were, yeah, they were doing better than people without diabetes where it comes to things like cardio, cardiovascular disease, numerous types of cancer, glaucoma. Suddenly, people who took metformin were doing better than the general population on all of these to the point where people start wondering, well, is this the fountain of youth? Is this the, the miracle cure for everything? Probably not quite that, right? If, if, it, if it had turned out to be that, I think we would have seen it sooner. Right? It would have occurred to us sooner that that's what was happening with metformin. But it's positive enough, it's good enough, that I think we will see people taking it for this reason. In fact, I believe that has already started. 
and oh yeah, people- it's it, it started. It started. There are people that do it, and uh, I mean, Phil, I, I'm I'm seriously considering talking to my doctor about it. Right? I mean, you know, just say, you know, I'm interested in this, uh, you know, for just to. Um, you know, protect against pre diabetes, that sort of thing. I want to make sure I don't get, don't become diabetic, and right. uh, see if that'll pass muster with the uh, with my doctor. I'm going to give it a try. Okay. I was actually thinking about going to my doctor and saying, "Look, I'm going to start taking this stuff. Do you want to prescribe it to me, or do I have to buy it uh, gray market off the internet?" I'm, I'm going <laughs> to. That's right. That's yeah. right. I, it's What's going to be, Doc? You can you, can you can know. control it. You can have a say, or I'm on my own. Just you tell me, okay? Because it's not that hard no, to get. Not. And uh, based on the research I've read, this is a smart thing for me to do. So, you know, unless unless you can talk me out of it before I leave, um, yeah. or give me a prescription. That's that, that's kind of the approach I was I was thinking I might take. But you know, I oh, talk I, tough here on the podcast. We'll see how I. <laughs> Yeah, we'll uh, see how I act when I actually get in his office. Anyway, um, there you go. Okay, so those are two like prime examples, and then we've got this this wonderful just list from it was Popular Mechanics. Ten awesome accidental discoveries. Just just to let you know that this has been going on forever, and we call this. We've talked about this on the show lots of times before, right? The law of unintended consequences. The idea that when we set things in motion, when we start making changes to the world around us, we are trying usually to to achieve one or a small set of outcomes, but we end up achieving a whole bunch of different outcomes. And often our unintended consequences are not great. You know, sometimes they're just unexpected and have no great impact. Sometimes they're unexpected and they have a terrible impact. And then once in a great while, we do something and it turns out it has benefits. We never would have guest never would have anticipated and these are all these are all wonderful stories about that do you have a favorite from this list Stephen? of uh, the well penicillin uh, we think of penicillin as a new thing and uh, and 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 it is really uh, in the uh, in the way that it was used uh, and has been used uh, but um, you know we should also uh, note the fact that even in ancient times the Chinese were bandaging, bandaging up wounds with moldy bread hmm in order to get the and the penicillin effect of you know that would allow those those wounds to to heal heal faster. Now of course they couldn't take it internally, uh, but uh, you know uh, and it was it was an external antibiotic that they were that they were using. Of course you know they just, it was just sort of a trial and error kind of thing. I, you know I wonder how it was discovered initially. Some some guy with a wound fall, fell asleep on a pile of moldy bread and, and uh, it healed up. I, who knows? But uh, yeah, they, they, how did how did somebody figure that out in the first place? Yeah, but it, it had I, to be a, it had to be a you know one of those happy accidents. Of course, uh, and, and and it was and it was another happy accident in modern times that led to the pill of, of that was uh, uh, penicillin. Any anyway, rate, it's it's sort of it's sort of uh, one of those things, isn't it? Uh, well, I, I think you used a you used a critical phrase there. Trial and error has been prior to science that was kind of how we found things out. Well, let's try this. Well, let's try this. Well, here's something. And the downside of trial and error is there's just so many different things you can try, and what's really ever going to work? Very few things. So humanity existed in 
you know, this hunter-gatherer state. We, we, we lived in this very primitive non-technological state for a long, long, long time. And one of the reasons for that has got to be that we were learning it all by trial and error, right? We were, we were putting oh, it all we together. To keep, kind of, we had to keep relearning it because we didn't yeah. have language. I mean, we right. didn't have written language to record it. So, we, you know, I, if somebody 500 years ago, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm a hunter-gatherer, and somebody 500 years before me discovered something, and, you know, it probably would have been forgotten by the time I'm, I'm, I'm around. Right and and, uh, and and so uh, I'd have to discover it again and that, that's and once again your methodology well let's just try stuff right let's you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's see if this works let's see if this works how about this one right. but once you have a little bit of method to trying things out the scientific method for example you can make much much more rapid progress and yeah once you're writing down results. And you keep track of things. Anytime you can keep track of stuff. Like somebody kept track of the fact that moldy bread somehow did something to help wounds heal, right? I mean, that, that was like right. somebody made a note of that. And it, whether it was passed on by a, an oral tradition, or, I mean, China had writing for a long time, right? So it was probably written down and passed on and transmitted that way. But you, you look at some of these and, you know, a Swiss engineer goes hiking and he's looking at these burrs that are stuck to his pants and to his dog's fur, and it's really irritating. And that's one of those really serendipitous moments. It's almost wrong to describe that as an accident. You know, that's almost like taking inspiration from nature, and the guy comes up with Velcro, right? He, he combines velvet and crochet, and because of this problem that nature has thrown at him, he gets an idea for a solution, kind of like the malaria thing. Although he was working by analogy, right, rather than by directly using those burrs, so it's sort of similar, but but a, a little more indirect. Uh, and some of these are just great, you know, vulcanized rubber. It's like, well, <laughs> you accidentally set fire to something, and then hey, look at this—we invented something, right? It's just one of those great. You know, it's funny. The first time I saw Velcro, I, I, I said uh, I was I was like a little kid, and I go, hey, this is just like those. Cuckleburrs. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I recognized it immediately, yeah, and as as what it was. That's what it, it was. One of those things that uh, were was used extensively by astronauts and still is. So it, you know, it's sort of like Tang in a way. It was one of those things that uh, <laughs> became you know. I think it's had a better a shelf life than Tang. Let's face it. I don't know yeah, if anybody's that, really still drinking Tang, but. <laughs> yeah, Velcro's are, going strong. There right? are better things. Move on. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> But but in fact, yeah, it says in the story here that the guy thought, well, I've got a great fashion accessory here. This is going to be great for clothes. Yeah. And eventually it was great for like tearaway clothes and, you know, kids' costumes and all kinds of stuff like that. But it wasn't the fashion industry that that was his first big customer. Ultimately, it was the space program, right? They said, oh, this will That's be right. perfect, right? No, you know, you get those <laughs> yeah. gloves on, but you I can could... still seal things and, yeah. <laughs> and things that, that would be floating around the ca- cabin, now we can, you know. We can, can stick them someplace. You don't need gravity. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. You can, you it's uh, them it's, without them floating around. That's good. And, it's and the perfect handy. fastener for space, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you because you want to be putting magnets on everything up there, and where you got all the electronics oh. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you can't do that. So I mean, yeah, the microwave oven's a kind of a, an interesting one. A guy's guy's working with a microwave emitter, and uh, he's got a chocolate bar in his pocket, right, that melts. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, hey, wait a minute. We're on to something here. Yeah, uh, well, like what's that. great about that is I wonder after that happened, did he think, maybe I don't want to stand too close to this thing all the time, right? If it's uh, <laughs> cooking a chocolate <laughs> bar a in my pocket, careful. what's it doing to me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. 
Oh, if, exactly. uh, if that thought occurred to him. That, that's an interesting story to read, too, because I guess he was ready to go with it as a viable consumer product well before the technology was ready. I guess he started making microwave ovens that nobody was going to buy, and it was not until uh, yeah. quite a few years later. That the they, original microwave ovens like had a co- compartment for eating stuff that was like you know, five inches cubed, and, and, the, and the whole unit was the size of a refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was not practical, but uh, they, they, you know, you got to give them A for effort. They, uh, they wanted to roll something out soon. They've come a long way. And imagine, I mean, imagine yeah. your kitchen without a microwave, right? No, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, it's primitive, yeah, you know. Man. I mean, oh, yeah. now what? What do we exactly. turn the oven on? I don't know. what. How do I make things on? I'll just eat it cold, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. You, just, you, know, <laughs> you can't function, was, right? Yeah, no. Yeah. But again, ac- accidentally discovered you know if he hadn't melted that chocolate bar it might have been years and years before we had a before we had a microwave and and i think the vulcanized rubber is the classic example right because you just right you you spill it on a burner and it cooks and you go hey wait a minute this is better you know it's like (laughs) (laughs) this this can actually do things that it couldn't do they were trying to come up with an artificial rubber because there's only a certain number of rubber trees you can have we needed rubber for the entire world, and uh, you know, basically, you got, you got rubber for just a portion of the United States. Perhaps is all you could get out of out of South America. And they had to come up with a solution, and so they worked a long time. And uh, silly putty was one of the things, by the way, Phil. That was one of their efforts to make rubber. Oh, how rubber. about that? Yeah, yeah. And that's a, there's a little spin-off toy product that we got, uh, uh, and, and and that was an effort to make. Artificial rubber didn't really work out. was not practical. So, and then finally we come to Viagra, which is actually very similar to that's metformin. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah in in, in terms of what was it what was it designed to do? You know, it was right. set up to. Uh, I had always read or thought I had read that it was designed primarily to be a blood pressure medicine. But what's described well, it's, here is it's actually it was actually made to improve circulation. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and. Uh, it's still used, by the way. Uh, premature babies often get Viagra uh, if they have immature lungs. Right. Something about the uh, something about Viagra uh, matures lungs quickly, which is what a premature baby needs. I mean, it's a desperate need to have you know have that done quickly, so that they can breathe on their own without having to be intubated. And so it does work in that way, but you know they. You know, they give it to their test subjects, and uh, they're noticing, hey, these these grown men are all of a sudden <laughs> having this side effect. And, man, yeah, and the we point is, Pfizer, uh, this, this is an old story, but <laughs> Pfizer sold $288 yeah. million dollars worth of it in 2013, okay? So yeah. I can only imagine that that has continued to increase and that they're probably pushing half a billion a year now in, in Viagra sales. Significantly yeah. higher, I'm thinking, than any other purpose for which the drug was ever used, right? And probably one That's of the right. most profitable drugs in the world, I'm thinking, with that kind of... Uh, oh, it got to be, got to be. Yeah. Um, with, 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 that, with, with those kinds of numbers. But again, it wasn't, it wasn't designed for that. It just happened to do it. And of course, that was a pretty easy one to figure out, right? I mean, you... you give it to a few guys and it's like, hey, wait a second, right? I mean, you know, that, that's... that's a fairly obvious connection that someone made and said, uh, we need to look into this. And they got they got quite a quite a serendipitous product out of that. But that takes us to our last story. Oh, you, oh, you've uh, you've added a quote here, 
Very nice. Yes, I'm asking. Absolutely. You, so the question again that you asked at the top of the show is, is randomness a form of genius? Do we get credit for that? Well, Thomas Edison, a uh, famous quote by him is that genius is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. And so what am I saying? I'm saying that, yeah, sometimes we're inspired to do something, you know, to invent something great, right? Yeah. And, and we, on purpose, get out there and do something. But a lot of times you're just that guy that's just out there doing something, right? And and plugging away, trying to, you know, come up with uh, a medicine to help with circulation or, or, you know, you're trying to come up with, with rubber or what, whatever, and you stumble onto something. A lot of it, I think, is it's, it's, it's related, I think, Phil, to the concept that we keep bringing up called the adjacent possible. Mm-hmm. And you may not know that you're adjacent to something when you are in there plugging away in the lab or, or whatever, and you wander into a, uh, you know, into a room, <laughs> metaphorically, uh, that uh, you hadn't intended to get to get into, you uh, and, and you discover something that's related to to what you're you're working on, and had and you had no idea that that's what you're that was what was going to happen. But you know what? Get credit. You're you're the inventor of it, and uh, and so that's uh, that's pretty great. I I I, uh, I love the concept of just getting in there and doing it. it put it this way: What's my chances, Phil, of coming up with a uh, a, a blockbuster drug for uh, you know for cancer and like zero because I'm you know I'm not, I'm not in medicine at all. You're not trying, yeah. Why I'm don't you, you know, apply Somebody. yourself a little, Stephen, and you might get somewhere with that project. <laughs> well, and and here's the thing: the guys that were working on um, you know malaria weren't weren't uh, shooting for a cancer drug, but you, you know they're infinitely, I mean, vastly is what I'm trying to say, more likely to uh, stumble onto something like that than, than, than I am, right? I mean, I'm not going to stumble over a block, blockbuster drug, you know, I mean, you know, just uh, because of my work is not there in that, in that field at all. So I guess you've got to be in the field that would allow for you to, to, uh, to stumble into it, and uh, you need to be working in some way. Uh, to, on something, and uh, you, you know, you, you figure out you figure out the uh, the consequences of what you've uh, what you've discovered. Sometimes long after you uh, uh, you've discovered it, so pretty interesting stuff. I love it. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I I think you're you're right. Although the the interesting thing about the adjacent possible is it doesn't care. It doesn't care what you're trying to do, right? Right. The, 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 the law of unintended consequences, like oh. I don't know. Look, I don't really care what you're trying to do with microwaves, but here's an oven, right? Here's, here's something completely out of line, right, with what you were looking for. It's like, look, I, I don't know what you're trying to do for people's circulation, but here's an aphrodisiac for you, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's like um, the – in that case, at least it was medical, right, to your point, I think. At least, you know, it was a, it, it was a, it was a medical benefit that resulted from attempted medical research. So, so, so sometimes, they're, sometimes they're pretty close, but sometimes they're way off. They're seeming like, wow. How did we how did we end up with Velcro? You know, for example, that one uh, that one is it's a it's a couple of conceptual steps removed, but it was the adjacent possible. It's just in, to your point. It's just in the next room. Although I, I like your take on my question, I actually wasn't asking whether we get credit. I was just asking whether randomness is genius in its own right. Right. <laughs> 
you know, randomness is just the ultimate viewing out all kinds of brilliant solutions to things. And, and that kind of takes us back to the story that we were talking about really just at the end of last week. Artificial intelligence will plunge into the universe of molecules in the search for amazing drugs. Because here you've got, you can look at it any way you want to. You can look at it as automating the 99% perspiration, if you want to see it that way. That's what this is, using machine learning to go out there and just look for, as they say here, not just looking for the needle in the haystack, but also looking for new kinds of needles, right? The, 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 The two ways that they've got these machine learning programs set up, these algorithms set up to, to look for these solutions. You can look at it as we're outsourcing the 99% inspiration, or you can look at it, it's almost the case, we're just outsourcing the randomness, we're outsourcing the trial and error, right? We've, we've automated trial and error, and the, <laughs> the system will run while we go do other things, and it will, it will make these brilliant uh, discoveries along the way. And if you want to take credit for being a genius, fine, or if you want to say, well, I guess now nobody gets credit for being a genius, either way, you can look at it. The point is, we get so many more possible... Hey, we get possible... the stuff, is the thing. Yeah, we get the stuff. <laughs> That's the key, yeah. Yeah, whoever gets the credit or doesn't get the credit, we're going we're, we're gonna to get the stuff. And to me, that is what is really exciting about machine learning having it applied to these kinds of problem areas. Because you, you, you think about millions of years of evolution. You think about people out there just relearning, learning and relearning and trying things and trying things and trying things and not even writing it down. And then finally we write it down, but we still got to try this and then we got to try the next thing. And Edison had to do all those hundreds of different things to to find the the light bulb, right? And then everybody's got a light on and now we can all read late at night and we're all getting we're all getting better and better ideas but machine learning really turns the corner on this right because it can go out there and try anything and it can do it all the time and it can do it a lot faster than we can and i don't know there's a lot of happy accidents waiting out there right i mean not well, not just in drugs but in a lot of other areas too i've got to say whenever we talk about unintended consequences i have to bring up thomas midgley um, okay, go. He he is the king of negative unintended consequences. Okay, um, American inventor. Uh, he invented <laughs> leaded gasoline, ah. um, and uh, and and he also invented chlorofluorocarbons for refrigerators. So you know he, he, <laughs> he he's, he's he's poisoning the he's poisoning inner city kids and putting a hole in the ozone layer. And, of course, he ends up getting lead poisoning uh, from working in his labs and to the point that he's, he's uh, confined to his bed. So he invents a complicated pulley system to allow him to sit up in bed and all this. The poor guy ends up hanging himself with this. Oh, my gosh. That's how, I, that's how he died, okay? So, um, I mean... You talk about just, I mean, unintended consequences. Every one of his inventions, I mean, is, was terrible, including the, the thing that killed him. And so, at any rate, I, I guess uh, I, I hate, to, hate to end the show on a bummer. We're going to have to do better on Friday. Wow, Stephen, way to, way to drop a major buzzkill bomb on my inspirational uh, <laughs> argument that I just made there. But actually, the well, good news is, the good news is here, the machine learning will help us to avoid those kinds yeah. of problems going forward. And if yeah. anything gets hung, it'll just be a piece of software. That gets yeah, hung, so. we can simulate the, uh, the consequences, perhaps, uh, and, and know far in advance, uh, oh, okay, yeah, you know, 
oh, so we got this simulated world uh, running on a machine. Uh, we can see in 50 years this this will cause this problem. Maybe that's right. It it will anticipate the chlor the chlorofluorocarbons and the and the un and the leaded gasoline before before ever suggesting it as a good idea. Um, exactly. So actually, all that pain that he, he's a stunning example. I mean, poor guy, right? He was trying his best yeah. to make the world a better place, right? Oh, yeah, leaded gasoline, it, he was trying to uh, keep engines from knocking, and leaded gla- yeah. gasoline was, was marvelous in that way. No, you know, those, your, your, uh, your cars ran smoothly and everything. This is long before, you know, computer-controlled mixing the gas and everything. This, and so that was what they got with leaded gasoline but man it was it was it was deadly and uh, chlorofluorocarbons are even worse there you go well luckily machine learning is going to give us intended unintended consequences i guess that's the beauty of it right the, <laughs> good you know, kind of what we want. designed un- right. unintended consequences we'll get the we'll get the ones we need and and avoid that avoid that pain going forward well unfortunately that's going to have to do it we're uh, we're yeah. out of time. That's an intended consequence, actually, of uh, doing a 30-minute <laughs> show three times a week. But uh, it's been great talking with you, Stephen. It's been great having you all with us. We will be back on Friday with a brand-new show talking about lots more interesting futuristic stuff. And until next time, live to see it. 